Hello, everybody, and welcome to yet another bonus episode of this show that we do, that we still haven't decided on a name for these bonus episodes, but that's okay. We'll just call them bonus episodes of We You, the podcast. Uh, my name is Steve Guntley. Hi, I'm Woody Siskowski. Now having trouble remembering what our any of our shows are called. It's true. Yeah, yeah. We, we, we were busy enough, and then I've got another show that I'm on too, and so I'm always constantly uh, forgetting Do you ever, the names of all of them. You're supposed to be talking about The Sopranos, and then you randomly start talking about Wii U games. Yeah, like, I'm like, oh, you know what? The, the best part of this episode of The Sopranos is when Luigi gets his little flutter kick. Yeah, uh, you know, you just you, like you jump over and you pick stuff up. Yeah. Sh- Shovel Knight shows up. <laughs> He helps dispose of the bodies. He's yeah, very, I guess that makes sense. He's a very useful uh, member of the mafia. Uh, today, we are once again joined by uh, one of our very special Wonder Red tier Patreon guests uh, who get to uh, choose a game and come on and talk about any game they want. And uh, last time we did this, uh, we got to talk about The Outer Wilds, which wound up being uh, kind of a big favorite of ours. And uh, now we're talking about one of my all-time favorites going back for years now, Star Wars Knights of the Old Republic. Uh, so our special guest today is Sean Neil Lunsford. How's it going, Sean? Uh, good. Good to be here. Good. Uh, well, we're very glad to have you. Uh, I'm excited to get a chance to talk about some KOTOR. It's been a long time since I played it. First of all, is that the best uh, uh, acronym for a title of anything? Star Wars KOTOR? That's just, it sounds like its own thing. Oh, yeah. I think, it's, I think it's just I fun it. to say. It's I've, just fun to say. I've always been a fan of Cod Blops. Oh, Cod Blops <laughs> is good, too. I like Cod Blops. <laughs> but I, I don't know if that quite... It doesn't sound as cool as KOTOR. Like, you're not excited to play COD Blops. Yeah, it, Co- it, KOTOR is like a, a Jedi warrior. COD Blops <laughs> is like a disease you get on your butt. Yeah, like a sound exactly. effect. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> get into the After Effects uh, package. It, and, oh, you, let's add a COD Blops here. When you push somebody into a pile of gack, that's the sound <laughs> it makes. <laughs> COD Blops. Something you vaccinate against when you're traveling to a different country. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Uh, so yes, very excited to get into this, but before we dig into the very rich history of uh, Star Wars, we're going to talk about Star Wars every... 4,000 years ago. Yeah, we were starting way back then. Uh, I wanted to ask you, Sean, why did you want to talk about this game in particular? Well, it's one of my favorite games, and when I had to think of a game I wanted to talk about, the remake had just been announced, so it seemed a good choice. That's right, yeah, that remake has been kind of like, has it been officially announced, or is it just still kind of in the rumor mill stage? It was officially announced a couple months ago. Okay, awesome, awesome. Yeah, I'm here for it because uh, I would say, uh, you know, I love this game. I would also say this one would really benefit from uh, from a little little spit and polish, from uh, <laughs> maybe a, maybe a slight visual upgrade, a just bit of a, a wax just, job there. Yeah, maybe just a little something, uh, buff out some of the dings. Um, this you know. game also, just in terms of timeliness, I think this game just came out on the Switch two like, days ago. Yeah, yeah, oh, two days okay. ago. Yeah, yeah. It's not enhanced. I don't think it's enhanced in any way aside from being on the Switch, but like, it's very weird that this game is not all that accessible until it's on the Switch now. Like, it hasn't continually been re released the way you would think a game of this sort of stature would be. No. It's kind of trapped on the original Xbox and PC, and I think it's somewhat difficult to get to run on a PC. There was like a, a mobile port for a while, oh. like, like kind of an early iPhone game. And I remember I seeing that like playing it that way, though. <laughs> oh, I, I guarantee that's probably the worst way to play it. But I think it is a pretty uh, uh, like visually, at least it's a pretty accurate representation. Like it's a pretty good port. As, um, as far as I know, it is actually available on every version of the Xbox for at least through the digital store. 
Oh, can you just can you just buy it digitally then? Yes. Oh, it is okay. uh, my my disc is also backwards compatible on the Xbox One, yeah. which is one of only a handful of games that are actually from that era that are still backwards compatible. Okay, that's good to hear. I didn't realize it was still available digitally on the Xbox. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, I it, people definitely love this game, uh, and uh, it's in kind of that weird position because like. All right, BioWare is now owned by EA. LucasArts is gone, but Disney owns the licenses to all of Star Wars stuff. And all this Star Wars stuff that's established in this game is no longer considered canonical. So, like, they kind of, Disney kind of doesn't want to acknowledge the extended universe stuff, but they Mm. keep sort of piecemeal bringing things in. Uh, So it's all a big complicated stew. I mean, though this game, I feel like, kind of gets a free pass in a little bit of a way. Like, nothing that happens in this game because this game takes place so many years before right, the events yeah. of like the quote unquote Skywalker saga, it's like anything that happens in this could just be ignored and like you wouldn't be missing out. Like 4,000 years ago for us is like pre G, it's BC. That's that's like what is that? Negative 2000. PJ, it's like, yeah. right? Pre Jesus. Pre Jesus, yeah. The that's the terminology that they use. <laughs> that's the I was trying to remember. I don't know why I couldn't think of BC. I think because they switched it to BCE, which is now before Common Era, uh, oh. because it didn't make sense to say like uh, before Christ, because Christ wasn't born in the year one. I thought it was you know? just because you were such a Johnny Hart fan. Oh, um, well, of that course. You just naturally associated with the Caveman comic. Oh yeah, so you, yeah. You no, were no. Uh, yeah, I am a huge Johnny Hart fan, but BC can suck a butt because I'm here for Wizard of Id or nothing else. Go sure. home. Who is it? Go home. <laughs> no. <laughs> I've, Wizard of Id was one of those like I I always read it every morning in the funny papers and I didn't remember a single thing that happened. I mean like, that describes like ninety eight percent of everything in the funny papers. Right? Mostly, but like I was there for the Garfield, I was there for the Calvin and Hobbes, I was there for the Far Side, and the Wizard of Id felt like it was telling some kind of longer story that I didn't know, even though that's probably not. not true. Yeah. Anyway, that's our that's our comics hour. We just retired Prince Valiant, and now oh, we're already bringing. Can't back. keep me away from it. <laughs> Let's jump into talking about this game. Star Wars Knights of the Old Republic was released July 15th, 2003. It was developed by BioWare and published by LucasArts, and it was released on Xbox, Windows, iOS, Android, and as of two days ago, on the Switch. Uh, So the development of this in 2000, BioWare... Uh, were suddenly kind of the hottest names in PC development because of their game Baldur's Gate, which was uh, actually outselling Diablo, which is I did not realize it was that big, but it actually outsold the Diablo series. Um, and they had all these different expansions and spinoffs and a rabid fan base. And so they announced in 2000 that they'd be partnering with LucasArts for a Star Wars game, which basically made the nerd community explode at the time. <laughs> They're like, oh my God. Uh, So LucasArts, they gave the studio a choice to either set their game in the Attack of the Clones continuity to kind of match up with the release of that film, or they could go back to the Old Republic, um, which was canonically, this is is a very long period. Canonically, it's 25,000 years before the Skywalker saga to 1,000 years before the Skywalker saga. So most of history is the Old Republic. What was the media that sort of created this as an idea? Because like, I don't... I mean, I don't have all the Star Wars movies memorized. No, but I don't think that the term does the term "the Old Republic" ever come up. In like, yeah, uh, Alec Guinness said mentions it like casually in the very first movie at one point. Okay, um, you, you but, mean uh, the Phantom Menace? Yeah, the very first. Yeah, yeah, yeah okay. the very first. Yeah, uh, Alec Guinness very good in that, despite <laughs> yeah, being dead exactly. for ten years. <laughs> um, 
but yeah, uh, I think it was first mentioned in that, and then fans kind of like seized on that idea. There was a lot of fan fiction circulating. I think the first like officially canonical uh, uh, time that we explored this era was in a comic book series called Tales of the Jedi from 1993. Sure. Uh, so, Sean, you talked about how this is one of your favorite games. Are you have you always been like a hardcore Star Wars guy? Did you follow the sort of extended universe stuff that they did, like the books or the comics? Oh yeah, I was a huge dork growing up. So yes, I was, I was not I was like the now where you're guesting on this the, cool uh, Wii U podcast. The Empire to school with him. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. I did. Yeah, I, I was into all of those like extended universe stuff with all the the Thrawn trilogy and all of that stuff. Like uh, I got more into that than the movies for a little bit. A lot of books that were probably in hindsight not very good, but I loved them at probably the time. Probably not. Yeah, exactly. Probably not great, but there there are some genuinely good ones in there. I think, oh yeah. Too. Uh, so yeah, Tales from the Jedi was the first time where we saw that uh, uh, in print and like got to kind of get a sense of what this universe would be. Uh, and Bioware was excited about the idea of having like their own little subset of the Star Wars playground to kind of go in and tell their own story. And like you said, 4,000 years earlier, the ripples are not really going to be hitting anything that's like set in stone, like Lucas era canon. So uh, they, they had some freedom to mess around with it a little and, bit. I mean, I think that makes a lot of sense because if you're setting it at the same time as like a movie that's about to come out, mm. you have to be like, okay, how do these sort of the major events of the movie play in to what's going on in the game? Yeah. Or like, I can't have my characters like do anything that's too crazy that affects something that might come up in the movie. Right. And so, yeah, it just gives them a lot more freedom. Yeah. I was hoping it would just all be an Elan Slezbegano like origin story, like going back <laughs> to the Death Stick dealer uh, all the way back. But no, they didn't do it. Uh, so this game was directed by Casey Hudson. We talked about him in the past. He was a pretty instrumental figure at BioWare. He directed some of their biggest titles, including Neverwinter Nights, the original Mass Effect trilogy, and their last uh, attempt at an MMO uh, anthem, which I never played that one. Well, um, was that an MMO or was that? I thought that was like was a four. I thought that was like a team-based arena shooter. I thought it was oh, like maybe. a Destiny ripoff or something. Oh, it could be okay. like a loot. Like so, a loot we're shooter. all kind of right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's all the same thing. Yeah, either way, you can bring a lot of people, and there's like men in spacesuits. Soon they'll just be. We'll just approach a singularity of game where, like, it's like okay, you're dropped into a lands, a massively multiplayer RPG landscape with a million other combatants, and there's <laughs> RPG elements, and you just play forever. So and it's just Ready Player One. Yeah, yeah that's it. Basically, so. just Ready Player One. Uh, so yeah, uh, this script was written by Drew Carpatian, who, uh, an excellent sci-fi writer, he would write all of this Mass Effect trilogy, and he also wrote most of the novels, uh, that the Old Republic games inspired, which, uh, from what I hear are pretty good. I've never read any of these. Did you ever get to the Old Republic novels, Sean? Uh, I was kind of out of my Star Wars Expanded Universe phase when those came out. I think I read one uh, of them. Okay, all right. Yeah, I mean, I've heard good things about them. Just like I've heard good things about the Mass Effect books, too, but I've never kind of gotten to it. I think I feel weird, like, the same way, like, I hate reading a book if the movie poster is on the cover. Uh, mm, I kind of yeah. hate reading, a, like, a book with, like, a video game character on the cover. Like, okay. give me a different cover. I don't know. I'm, I'm very particular about that, apparently. Uh, so, yeah, and the, the, the team at Bioware, they focused on the game engine and the story while LucasArts provided the muscle for the sound design. So they got... Uh, Jeremy Sewell to do the game uh, compositions. He's the guy who did Elder Scrolls and Neverwinter Nights. Uh, and he got to incorporate some of John Williams' original score in here. And then we got a bunch of top-tier voice actors from the era. Jennifer Hale, Phil Lamar, Ethan Phillips, Ed Asner, R.I.P. 
Uh, they were all brought in to populate the cast and give the story a little bit of heft. Uh, so within four days of its release, the game was almost impossible to keep on the shelves. It would ultimately sell more than 5 million copies across platforms, uh, grace several Game of the Year awards, and it's kind of canonized as one of the best games of its generation. I think Game Informer and Time Magazine have both included it on their respective lists, the greatest games ever made. It's inspired a comic book series that I think is still going. Um, and I, I, to, to expand a little bit and talk about the rest of the KOTOR series before we get into this one, uh, you know, this one was a pretty huge hit at the time. And so KOTOR 2 was really fast-tracked. BioWare didn't work on that one because they were working on the Mass Effect games at that time. So they passed things off to Obsidian, who, uh, you know, they, they would go on to do like New Vegas and things like that. And they'd worked with BioWare on games in the past. And so the second game was called Knights of the Old Republic 2, The Sith Lords. And uh, for some reason, this game was released seven months early. And huh. I don't know if anyone... I don't know if they really advertise it. It was kind of like a Sega Saturn thing where like, oh yeah, people really want this game. Let's just drop it early without telling anybody. Okay. Like I remember just being in a store casually and seeing that game on the shelf. I'm like, I did not even know this was being made. Like I had no you idea. Were a big and, fan of the first game. I was a huge fan of the first game and I was plugged in, you know, I was, uh, I was on all the message boards. I didn't <laughs> know that game was existing at the time. Um, and it's like, you know, it, it's it's an okay game. Like, for it was really rushed. They had to cut a lot of features, and they had to, like, there are some dangling plot threads that are left in it. It's still an okay game, I mean, especially on, for... It's built on a good foundation, to say the least. Well, and that's the thing. It's basically the exact same game. Like, they use the exact same engine, all the exact same yeah. weapon dynamics. Yeah, yeah, they're just kind of reusing it. Did you play KOTOR 2? I did play that, and I think the reason it was rushed is because they wanted it to be out before the holidays. Yeah, I believe that's right. Yeah, because it came out like early December, I think, of, of 2004. So that's like almost just a, a little over a year after this one, which is a pretty insane turnaround time for such like a big epic game. There uh, is an unofficial mod for it that does restore a lot of the cut content for that game and make it a little bit more playable. Oh, I would wow. recommend playing it in its base state. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I just... I, I don't really remember too many details. I remember there's like one of the cheapest bosses I've ever faced in a game who just constantly heals himself. Uh, and he just never runs out of med pack, so it's almost impossible to take him down. And I remember they have a very cool, like, new character named Kreia, who's like this old Jedi lady who's like working her own angles. And I thought she was a really cool character. But after that, I didn't really uh, uh, internalize much of that game. But, you know, either way, I was excited for a KOTOR 3. That one was uh, announced. It was going to happen. And then about two years into development, they canceled it, and they decided to refocus it on a massively multiplayer online game that was just going to be called The Old Republic. I mean, uh, that, I think that choice makes a lot of sense. Like, obviously, it's a disappointment that you wouldn't get more, like, you know, KOTOR RPGs. But yeah. That's the dream for every company is like, let's create a game that is a recurring source of income. Yeah. And like the appeal of, I think, the KOTOR games in general is sort of walking around in this Star Wars universe and interacting with these worlds that the movies don't give you really any time, you know, because they're always moving from plot point to plot point. Sure. Here yeah, it's like, okay, yeah. I can explore, I can wander around cantinas. Mm -hmm. So like putting that in a massively multiplayer online setting is a good idea. Yeah. Yeah. No, no, it's definitely a good idea. Uh, reportedly, this is one of the most expensive games ever made. Uh, they the never, Republic? the old Republic. Yeah. They never actually announced what actually, what it actually cost, but, uh, people speculate around $200 million to get this game off the ground. Wow. 
I heard uh, a lot of that was spent on the uh, cinematics. Right, yeah. Oh, yeah, they had these incredibly impressive, like, preview trailers that they showed at E3 that, like, they looked amazing, and they looked nothing like what the game would ultimately look like, but they were really good, like, little short films in themselves uh, and incredibly well animated. And, I mean, that game came out in 2011. I think, like most uh, MMOs, it kind of struggled to find its feet for a little bit, but... Uh, from what I hear, it's gotten quite good, and it's still going. Uh, ten, ten years later, the game is still very popular. There's a dedicated player base of about 10 million subscribers for The Old Republic, which I honestly didn't think it was still around. I, I was surprised to hear it. I thought this was kind of a flop. The uh, go, go ahead, Sean, it sounded like. Oh, I was going to say, it, I mean, it was kind of a, definitely, not I wouldn't say a flop, but it definitely wasn't as successful as they had anticipated, but. yeah. I mean, I, I, how much would it have to make? Yeah, I mean, for, for that reported budget, it needs to be, like, an earth-shattering hit. Yeah, it, it feels like that's kind of the way MMOs work, is they either sort of come out and immediately flop and, like, go away, mm-hmm. and then you never hear about them again, or they come out and sort of just get the power and the money sort of keeps getting behind them. Yeah. And then they stick around like 10 years later and you're like, oh, I didn't know that that game even existed, let alone that like millions of people were still playing it. Yeah. Um, Final I, Fantasy 14 was that right. way. Like I remember hearing everybody hated that game when it came out and, and now, now it's, it's like very popular. As, wow. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I, Cause I can't remember like the, I don't think that an MMO has like come out and been a big hit like since wow. Yeah, you know not I mean? really. Which is yeah. like 20 years. Like, that's the only MMO that I ever remember, like, immediately coming out and being a phenomenon. Everything else yeah. just really grows. Even EverQuest, which was, like, huge for its time, had a real slow build to get to that And, point. I mean, yeah. that totally makes sense because those games are structured in a way where most of the goodies come the longer that you play it. Yeah. So it, it's hard to sort of make that initial push to get into it. Yeah, totally. Um yeah, so I, I never really messed with the Old Republic very much, but it, it is still, it's kind of become its own thing. And so uh, for the last couple of years, uh, fans have been petitioning to get a proper, like, narrative-based KOTOR 3 RPG, and apparently Disney's kind of mulling the idea. I think, uh, Sean, you mentioned that the remake is coming out pretty soon. Like, that's kind of a good indication, at least, that Disney wants to keep this alive. Uh, I think they have a lot of, like, canonical stuff to sort through, but that's also, like... That can't be legally binding, right? Like you can't. You could probably just say, "Oh yeah, no, bring this character back in." Like, what, they what are they going to do? Whatever do? they want. Yeah, they yeah. I, I don't know how the intricacies of that work, but like, I feel like you can. It's all made up. You can bring it back in anytime you want. You know. Um. So yeah. Uh. Story wise, uh, I think Bioware they always kind of knock it out of the park with their narrative, and I think this might be. This might be one of my favorite, like, extended universe Star Wars stories is in this very first game. Like, uh, I, I think it's so incredibly rich. I really love all the different characters. I love how uh, in-depth you get to get to know them. And you get to see a lot of different worlds, although it does take a little bit. So you play as kind of a nameless soldier. You wake up on uh, a star cruiser called the Endar Spire. It's under attack by the Sith Lord named Darth Malak. So the ship crash lands on this industrial planet called Terrace, and you need to uh, look for a Jedi warrior named Bastila Shan, who has the ability to use this ability to uh, battle meditation. The uh, ability to use an ability. Which is very useful. Which is an yeah. ability we all have. If you're able to have that ability, I yeah. think you should have it. Yeah, but a battle meditation basically just means she can analyze everyone's strengths and weakness and kind of help turn the tides of this uh, war got, against like, Darth Maul. 
She's got slippy toad powers. Yeah, she knows how to do a barrel roll. Um, but yeah, in the meantime, uh, you need to escape on a new ship called the Ebon Hawk, which you need to steal from a gangster and then kind of travel around the country. And you are not the country, the universe. It's a little bigger than the country. And um, yeah, you have to develop your kind of latent Jedi powers that your character has. And so you, you train as a Jedi, you get a badass lightsaber and uh, explore some force powers. So I feel like this game sort of bridges a lot of gaps. Um, like when I think of sort of those RPGs that Bioware was making on the PC, there's a very kind of like isometric, they they all feel very isometric. They seem very sort of mathy. Yeah. Um, and very rooted in like, you know, classical fantasy. Yeah. Whereas console games, I would always associate more with being sort of more user friendly, a little like throw you in a little more like right at ground level. And this game does a really good job of kind of integrating that in-depth gameplay from the PC ones with something where you feel like you're sort of right more in the story. Like this, this game looks like essentially a third person action game. If you were just like looking at a still. Yeah. Like the, there's no, like the game doesn't switch into any kind of other screen when you encounter a battle and I feel like this game, in a lot of ways, like created a lot of precedents that RPG games use now. Like, there's very few, like, there's only like JRPGs that have like distinct, like, different battle screens and battle systems. Like, yeah. most of the time now, RPGs are like The Witcher. Yeah. Where it's just like you run around and you fight guys, and there's a ton of RPG elements. But they're but, going on uh, under the surface, yeah. Yeah, and it's just integrated into like a basic combat system that sort of plays like an action game, and this sort of splits that difference. Yeah. And I, because when I try to, th yeah, go ahead, Sean. Uh, it does a very good job of hiding all the, uh, you know, math, but like underneath all the flashy moves and everything, the game is still working on dice rolls. Yeah, that's the thing. I read it was built off of the Star Wars tabletop RPG rule. So there is like an actual digital D20 being rolled for every attack you're making. Which is kind of weird. Like this game, it, it is weird to be like in a Star Wars universe where everything is all, you know, quote unquote, futury. Yeah, you know, I know it's in the past. <laughs> um, and they still talk about how the different weapons like increase your critical hit rolls by like plus two. Mm -hmm. And I do think that's kind of a slight knock against this game a little bit is like the in information they give you about what the different weapons do is not immediately user friendly. Like no. it's hard to tell like, okay, I have a prototype Vibiro blade that's upgraded and a regular Vibiro blade, like which one is going to do more damage? Yeah. Or like, do I want to be dual wielding here? Like, cause yeah, this is very much like that very in-depth, PC gameplay where you have like tons of different perks mm -hmm. that you can identify like, okay, this perk decreases the penalty modifier when you wield two handed <laughs> by like 15%. And you're like, okay, yeah, which this, means what to me? Yeah, how, how, exactly. how hard will I hit this Bantha? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> um, and I think that like, that's something you don't see too often anymore. No. Of, like those sort of real roots of the die rolling and numbers being, being so obvious yeah yeah and it's it is kind of like a combination of like turn-based and active battles but like you don't really have 
control over the act of it. Like you can mash on A all you want, but you're still basically just queuing up a bunch of attacks for later, you know? So it's not like a one-to-one, like you press A to swing your sword or something like that. You yeah, know? So, I was a little bit, so I was a little bit confused by the battle system in this game. Like if you have a sword, um, when you enter, you know, you target an enemy or something and the battle starts, your character will automatically run towards your enemy until they're in range. But you can also move around just using the stick. Yeah. Um, but then it'll be like, okay, you're moving, so action is paused. Yeah, and like, you're and you're vulnerable to attack at that time. So too. can you not yeah. like if if someone's shooting you with a blaster? Does you do you running around with the stick? Does that make any difference on whether or not they'll hit you? Uh, I don't think so, but maybe. Yeah, I'm not entirely sure. Like I know you know you can't like move and attack. Like you can't like walk and blast at the same time. Right. But I think I, I have noticed, like, I tend to take more damage if I'm running, uh, like, or approaching an enemy. Like, I think it makes you a little bit more exposed. But uh, I'm not entirely sure if those mechanics are going on. It could just be my play experience with it. Sure. Uh, and that's kind of the thing. Like, this game has a lot of different ways to approach it. I think one of the big gameplay elements here is the morality system. I think this was one of the first, if not the first game to introduce this kind of idea. And it became Bioware's thing for a bit. This, this game is what I consider the like apex of the morality system fad. Yeah. There was a while. And I don't remember if this game was the first one or just the one that did it the best where it felt like every game had to put in a morality system. Yeah. And it was often very bad. It was it's so yeah, it's such a binary choice. It's always just like, oh, would you like to, you know, buy this family a meal or set them on fire? Like which <laughs> which one do you think you would like to do, you know? Oh yeah, in this game your only two choices are saint or cackling murderer. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, you don't really have any kind of like middle ground, which is where most of us are, you know, somewhere between that. Um, you know, but I think that they're integrated very well here. I think because you have these branching dialogue trees where you can kind of, it's not always going to tell you this is a light side action. This is a dark side action. You can usually tell from the tone of the statement, but it's not always going to tell you exactly that. It also fit like the idea of a morality system fits very well into the star Wars universe. Right. Because like the, 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 there's the light side of the force and the dark side of the force. And so, and the story significantly changes depending on the route that you go, right? And it can change for a lot of different elements, like not even just the morality, but like depending on what class you pick at the beginning of the game, depending on your gender, depending on your clothes you're wearing, you know? So there'll be lots of different dialogue options that are either opened or closed to you. And so I, I think I've played this game like three times all the way through. It's a long game, but the experience was not the same every time, you know? Okay. I mean, is the experience basically the same like you go the major story beats yeah but okay. uh, this is not like an open-ended game like it's, it's a linear game right? yeah but. yeah for the most part but there are different elements like uh you can make some of your party members fall in love with you or you could kill them like if mm. you go down certain paths of like go far too down um too far down the dark side path and you will kill some of your party members and they'll be gone from the game. There's a really evil option where you can basically force someone to kill their best friend. Yeah. Oh God. Yeah. You can start doing some really nasty stuff if you go full dark side. Sean, have you played this full dark side? 
I I've done it once. I, I, okay. I in these games I'm always too much of a goody two shoes to do that. Same. I don't like I played through the dark side and I got bored with it before too long because I'm just like, all right, I'm just a jerk and everyone hates me and uh, they're charging me more at stores and like yeah. this this just isn't a fun way to play this. Yeah, it's that all is ugly and it gets boring being a sociopath after a while. Yeah. yeah. There's such an odd thing about the morality system and I'm sure there's other people who play it differently, but it's like I don't, I don't, even if it's like a virtual world, I don't find joy in being an asshole. No. Like, I still want to respect yeah. the well-being of the people around me. Yeah, like, you, you want to feel like you're doing some good, yeah. yeah you want to put good vibes out into the digital world. Yeah, it's exactly. Weird, but, like, you don't want to be mean to these NPCs. No, you don't. I mean, they all, they're, they're all so ugly already, you know? Like, <laughs> you need to give them some sympathy. I get, This yeah. game has, a, like, outrageous, I mean, you talked about the voice actors at the beginning, but, like, it's crazy how much recorded dialogue is in this game. Yeah. Like, everyone, like, the vast majority of people that you speak to have, you know, someone doing voice acting, even if it's, like, you know, in an alien language. Yeah. That's still being done. And most NPCs that you talk to have this, aside from just, like, the general people sort of meandering around. Yeah. yeah. And that's, that's really, I think, what the focal, like... I think that's one thing that this game does very well is you feel like you are part of this city where everyone has their own sort of things going on. Yeah. Which is important for an RPG. And when you think about, like, what are other Star Wars games that kind of exist around this time? Like, uh, there would be, like, uh, there was that... Um, there were the movie-based ones. There was, like, a Jedi Starfighter or the Bounty Hunter, Hunter, a couple of, yeah. couple of very generic kind of... Uh, Jedi Academy, yeah. maybe. Yeah, Maybe that was the first Battlefront. Yeah, that would that would be like a year or two after this. Okay. Yeah, a ton yeah. of games based off the prequels. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But what those games sort of all have in common, and those are just like a very like linear sort of jump from level to level. Um, you're like the main character of this epic saga in yeah. those movies or in those games, whereas here, it does what like. The Mandalorian does, you know, much more recently, yeah. which is it makes you just feel like you're following, you're, you're getting a smaller story of what's going on on these different planets. And yeah. This is like the first Star Wars game where you really have a chance to just kind of hang out. And that's what I remember being really like blown away by when I played this. Because I remember buying this game for the first time because it had such overwhelming hype and then just being super unimpressed because uh, I'm going to get this out now. I think this game looks like hell. Yes. Like this, and, and that's not like a new comment. Like, I think this game looked bad in 2003. The, the actual like player sprites and stuff look okay. Yeah, no. I, but like the, the, especially where you start in this game, like I, I have not, I have not gotten very far in this game because mm. this game has holds so little interest to me. Yeah. <laughs> like um, as someone who is not really, I don't care about the extended Star Wars universe. Um, I think that this is a great RPG, but I'm not sure that you can have a great RPG if you don't care about the world. Like, okay. I think all yeah. enjoyment of this game stems from having to like Star Wars first. Okay. I think it would be very hard to be all in on this game and be like, yeah, I don't really like Star Wars because you start in this very white ship full of corridors mm -hmm. and then you go down to this sort of big wide like city white city planet full of corridors right and then you fight in the sewer full, full of, of corridors, corridors. 
And that's that's another kind of big complaint I have is that you know that that opening segment when you're on Terrace, which is the big city planet, is so long that I kind of started feeling like, is this going to be the whole game? Is the whole game just on this one kind of gray city planet? It's like Midgar and or Final Fantasy VII. It is yeah. really. It's probably one of the longest segments. Before, where it you don't really, really go anywhere else. Yeah, what is what would you say like five six hours at least that you're just on yeah. terrace, maybe longer because there's there's a ton of stuff to do, and uh, I mean uh, I, I guess I should say we're gonna have a couple of spoilers on this uh, twenty year old game that's mm-hmm. already kind of in the canon and everybody knows, but uh, you can't really <laughs> avoid that if you're gonna talk about it. Yeah, so I mean I'm gonna I'm gonna spoil a little something la, here, la, but la, like la, 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 within uh, like once you finish this terrace segment, the whole planet is blown up. Like oh, so, the all these hitchhikers guided it, the hitchhikers guided it. So like all of these stories and all of these characters you were getting invested in for this whole first section of the game, they're all dead. Like and you're and you're kind of off on the second part of the game, and that involves more planet hopping. There's more outdoor environments. You get to fight big old dragons and big old weird creatures like that. You learn Jedi powers. Like it gets dramatically more interesting once you get out of these sort of uh, dingy sewers. But it does take a long time to get to that point. Yeah, I mean, that sounds cool. And I feel like the game makes the mistake of putting all front-loading all of this kind of more bland world. Like, if your training level was something other than this bright spaceship, yeah, um, like, something that, like, showed off. Like, if you started with, like, playing as a sort of fully powered Jedi Mm -hmm. as like a tutorial mission and that character died and then it shifted over to your main character to feel like, okay, I know where this is, where I can get eventually. Right. I know what power levels I will eventually have. Yeah, yeah. Because when this game starts, you are just kind of running around with either a sword or a blaster sort of just standing in a hallway. That you're not good at shooting yet. I hope that this kills the enemy. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) um, And that was sort of my experience with this game. I remember buying this game for a similar reason to you, Mm -hmm. um, is like this game got very good reviews, and I'm like, okay, I like RPGs. And then I just was so disinterested at the start that I when I traded it with a friend at school and they gave me Ninja Gaiden. Okay. Like this game is too hard. And I think we both won in that trade. Yeah. So. No, that, that's that's one of your games now. Yeah. yeah, for sure. I mean, was this kind of an out of the box like success for you, Sean, or did you struggle with the pacing at the beginning too? I had some difficulties with the uh, combat just because I was a dumb teenager. And well, and it's really paying attention to stats. It's goofy looking too, you know, like, yeah. and, and when they, when you go into cutscenes like this, especially the ones that use the in-game engine, like you're watching battle scenes play out, but they're, they're the RPG mechanic battle scenes. So characters are missing, like things aren't quite making contact. There's awkward pauses and then people will just fall over and grunt. Well, it's, it's like confusing. It's, it's innovative in its own way, but like. There was not, there wasn't a lot of console RPGs at the time that did. Like, I just would always associate RPGs with like, this meter fills up and then it's your turn, and then yeah. you pick what you want to do, and then they do it. This game, like I said, looks like an action game. So if you, you know, if you were a console game player and you had an Xbox and you had been playing like Halo and most of your experience was you know Final Fantasy RPGs, this game is kind of unlike anything you would have played and yeah. you would have you it really looks like you should have more control over what's happening in the battle system so totally. they, they even tell you in the tutorial they're like aiming or running won't make a difference yeah yeah in, in the way the battles perform you're like okay thanks game good yeah so yeah exactly it takes a little bit to kind of get used to it but i mean to circle back around like i think despite all of those kind of flaws that you face with it i still got sucked into it 
because of how uh, immersive the world felt. Like whether or not it didn't, it looked like like I'd imagined it would look like. You know, I still did feel like I was living in a populated mm-hmm. Star Wars universe, which is awesome. And once you're on Terrace and you start poking around and have a little bit more freedom, you're going to find different quests like in almost every room. There's something to do everywhere. Uh, and there's different approaches to everything, you know, because of that morality system. Like, it's up to you how you approach things. So, Well, and because of just like the basic stat system. Yeah. Of, like, Again, this is very much rooted in like um, early game role playing game mechanics and like PC mentality of like if your charisma is high enough, you know, you can persuade people to take different paths. Or yeah. You can bully them into doing different things. Yeah. Yeah. I also liked how it doesn't necessarily force you to do things a certain way. Like in in one point when you're in the sewers, there's this Raincore who's block, blocking your progress and mm-hmm. you're supposed to like put these grenades in a pile of dead bodies so it like eats it mm. and blows up but yeah. if you're an idiot and don't know that's what you're <laughs> supposed to do you can just lob grenades at it till it dies sure yeah that it, would be very hard but you same. can do it that would be how i did it the first time i thought the game was broken but yeah no it just took a long time to figure out the corpse thing uh yeah no and there's i mean i just did a section where uh i got hired to take on a whole bunch of bounties and you can go look for these people and decide on a case-by-case basis. Like, all right, am I going to kill you and collect the money? Am I going to help you fake your death and get away? Do I want to just give you the money to pay off your bounty? Like, how do you want to approach it? And there are different sections where maybe you can, like, activate a dead assault droid, send that in to do your fighting for you. Or you can overload a circuit and, like, fry everybody in the room by, by hacking your console. Overload the terminal while you're standing next to it and kill yourself? Yes, I have. Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Always fun. So how does the uh, party mechanic work in this? Like, um, when you pull up this sort of start menu, there's like nine sort of blacked out silhouettes Mm -hmm. of your different party members. So I imagine that there's just sort of nine points in the story where different people join you. Yeah. Do you always only have one person on your team, or do you get... It's two. You can have two up to people, two on yeah. your team, and I think it's a Mass Effect style where you kind of select your party anytime you're leaving your ship, uh, okay. which you get by defeating this gangster. So it's not like gangster. Final Fantasy IV style where people sort of come and leave, come and go? No. No, you, no. you can't. And- although there are party members that you can potentially not get. Like, oh, yeah, that's there's true. There's one you can kill. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Before they and even join you. The, the cast members in this are fantastic like it takes a while for you to meet all of them but i i love that this game lets you have different unique subquests with every uh member of your party mm-hmm. so like every once in a while the game will just stop and it'll say oh cartho nasi looks like he has something to say do you want to go talk <laughs> to him and so you go talk to him and he'll tell you a little bit more about his life and it might culminate in you going to a planet and facing something from his past you know and your bond like tightens from there and then you get some uh extra benefits for like uh combat and things like that but i mean there are some fantastic characters here like bastila is probably the the second lead after your main character she's like the the jedi warrior and you guys have like this special bond uh but there are all these great characters like uh my personal favorite is still hk47 uh that stands for everyone's favorites oh come on he's he's an all-timer he's uh Imagine C-3PO with an unquenchable lust for murder. Uh, and that's that's basically HK. He's a retired assault droid. He refers to humans only as meatbags. And uh, it feels like he constantly is just trying to restrain himself from killing everybody on your ship. And it's great. It's He's so much fun. And he's very deadpan delivery with all of it. 
But I mean, you meet like a crotchety old like uh, Jedi hermit later. You meet this cat lady. You meet, you know, there's all kinds of cool stuff. A Mandalorian, like a big beefy Mandalorian with a, a chain gun, you know. And uh, they're they're really great. They're really richly developed, and they all bring their own skills and abilities to your team. So you can kind of swap out your party as you wish. So what's the kind of, uh, I mean, spoiler alert, but like what's kind of the overarching plot here like what, yeah. what, what's your sort of end game last boss type of thing are you well, solving some sort of intergalactic conflict or yeah it, it's uh yeah and again this is this is big spoilers but this game also famously has kind of one of the the biggest like holy shit twists uh are we gonna of a get game. into that yeah i think we should yeah i yeah. think we should get into that here uh so the whole time the whole like the there's this thread going out through the entire game where they're talking about this guy named Darth Revan, who is like the most powerful Sith Lord of all time. And uh, he's still like this incredibly feared figure. And you come to a point towards the end of the game when you realize that you are Darth Revan, Ah. that you have been Darth Revan the entire time. I always thought this was a really brilliant twist because if this were a movie, you would probably see that coming because it's like, oh, well, your character has like no face and no voice. And he's just like some anonymous person that woke up on a ship. But because we play video games and that's just like a common part of it, it's like you build your character, you have an avatar, like you don't need to know any of this stuff. You built them, you know, so you don't think about that being a narrative structure. Uh, They actually foreshadow it really well. And you don't really notice it until you like already know the twist. I remember being genuinely surprised, like oh, yeah, at, a, at, at a time when like it's kind of hard to surprise me with with uh, narrative developments. But I was like, "Holy shit, that's great!" I did not see that coming. So, did you just get amnesia or something? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You. It turns out you got into a battle with Bastila, who uh, is the the party member, the Jedi party member, and she basically managed to wipe your memory. Um, okay. And uh, so you were actually the payload on that ship in the beginning. You weren't just like an active crew member. You were. She was guarding you. She was transferring you somewhere. I see. Uh, and so, yeah, but now you've, hopefully, you've gone down this path for a while and you've gone a little more light side, you know, and you've got a chance to kind of determine what your destiny is going to be from here. And it's really impactful and it works really well. And uh, Darth Revan has kind of become a fan favorite character, despite just being like a nameless like player so character. So once, rea- once they're revealed to be Darth Revan, do you ever start talking? No, no, no you okay. never do. No, you never do. Which, I, that'd be funny. I hope they do that and like, just give him a silly voice or something. Like, just a very, <laughs> Hello, it's me, Darth Revan. I'm oh, going to kill you. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, it's just a really successful twist. And like, you know, it's all part of the narrative complexity that's kind of going throughout the entire game. I think it, it, was, it was incredibly satisfying to get to that point. And like, yeah, they pull it off really well. Yeah. This game just filled like so many holes in like the gaming landscape in 2003. Like, yeah. If you if you have an original Xbox, you have like what are you going to play like Halo and this. Yeah, I can't yeah. well like I was thinking of RPGs. Like I was going to say Jade Empire, but I think that came out after That this. was after this. And yeah. I'm trying to think after. of one RPG on the original Xbox that came out before this, and oh, I could fuck. not. Hunter the Reckoning? I don't That's know. It's an like RPG. an action RPG. It's yeah. like a Gauntlet uh, style game. The other yeah. Nightfield Republic. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, again, yeah. That came out before this. <laughs> um, yeah, think of what was that? that came out before. Yeah. Oh, again, I'm thinking of an action RPG, but do you ever play Enclave? No. It's like the hardest fucking game. Like, no, it's, so, it's like a barbarian hack and slash kind of game, but yeah, it's not very good. Yeah, so it's like <laughs> this game sort of was it a huge deal from like, wow, this is a great big RPG on the original Xbox. 
this is such a like a huge fleshed out Star Wars world. And this is like such an in-depth like RPG that sort of integrates these PC game mechanics onto gives you on the console experience. Yeah. Um so I yeah, I this game I think is just hugely influential. I just yeah, it really could use a new coat of paint at this time and yeah. sort of a cleaning up of I don't know if this will happen or not, but like I would appreciate a cleaning up in the terminology of the uh, the the like the RPG battle system. It to takes make that a, a little more clear. Well, yeah, it's a lot of like complex info dumps at the beginning, and I think they they managed to refine those by the time they got to Mass Effect, you know. And then Mass Effect also has more shooter elements, so it feels more accessible if you're not an RPG nerd. But yeah, I think I, th- I think that would do right. And I, I was playing this and I had a suspicion. I'm like, oh man, Woody's going to hate this game. <laughs> I was like replaying. And I'm like, man, there are so many like confusing corridors and like, like it's hard to tell like who anybody is. Or, you know, it takes a while to get it. So well, if you're, Steve, you, we've done this long enough. You, you know, I know, me. I know you, I you know. were right. I don't want to hate this game because I know it's very, very good. No, but, but it's, it's really just, not it's just, for me. It's just not your flavor. Yeah. You know, it's like, I'm sure broccoli is great. I just don't like it myself. Sure. You know? Yeah. It's definitely yeah. a game from 2003. It's very much a game from 2003. Just to be clear, yeah. I like a lot of games from 2003. Yeah. yeah. I just am very anti games with unending bright white corridors. Yes. Like. No, that's fair. And that's totally fair. Yeah, absolutely. I, I would say that without this game, um, modern Bioware wouldn't exist at all. There would be no Mass Effect, no Dragon Age, anything like that. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you're totally right. And, I mean, I, and just how influential, again, all that stuff is on like what an RPG is now. Yeah. It feels like so much it's just like either your JRPG is like one whole genre of a thing, but every sort of other style of game that pulls from RPGs is basically influenced by this and then by extension the Mass Effect games. Yeah. Like just trying to feel like, all right, we got to give the player more control. We have to make it look more cinematic than just sort of navigating through a menu. Yeah. And I, I this this really does strike me as one of the earliest examples of that. Yeah, yeah, and they, it, it would get refined and it would get kind of improved upon as it goes. But as a as a narrative experience, this is still one of my favorite games ever. It it, uh, it is slow to get going, it's hard to look at, and uh, it, it can be a little clumsy at times, but I think the story it tells is so compelling that uh, I just get kind of sucked into it. Yeah, I mean, if you are into the Star Wars world and the Star Wars universe and you want, like, you know... It, Stories that feel like they were thought out ahead of time instead of a knee-jerk response to the fan base community. Um, this <laughs> game, this game delivers on that. Yeah, yeah. I'm not going to go on that tirade. Sure. I am not. I'm going to rein myself in. People don't yeah, need my angry emails. Yeah, people don't need my nerd opinions. It'd be a weird. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know if people like are really going to bat for the Disney Star Wars movies too. No, hard. not necessarily. Not necessarily. Even, even me, who's like a pretty point. much an apologist for them, is like, yeah, they they were okay, but yeah. I would never like write in somewhere to defend them. No, I mean, look, Last Jedi, fantastic, love it. But okay, I'm not going to go on this tirade. I'm not going to go on this tirade. Okay, I'm going to ring. On the I'm, internet, you'll always find someone willing to defend something to. That's true. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Uh, well, I think we might have covered it there. Sean, did you have anything else you wanted to add that we may not have covered from uh, from this game here? Um, not really, other than that, if you want to go play this game, uh, know that it is an old game and it plays like an old game. It has yeah. a terrible autosave system, so save all oh. the time or you will lose hours of progress if you die. It, oh, it autosaves like, whenever you enter a new area, right? Yeah. Which... 
well, not is even vi- that really. It's it's. I'm not actually sure how how many times it auto saves, but it it feels like it just does it randomly. <laughs> kind of randomly, and sometimes like I I will boot my save back up, and I've lost all my equipment. Like sometimes I, I found that glitch happening a couple times. Oof. Like I lost all my Sith armor, and then I couldn't progress in the game. Oof. Yeah. So I say oof to that. Yeah. Yeah. So sometimes it'll it'll have a couple of little bugs like that. I, I assume any uh, remake would address that. But. Are you are you itching to play the remake when that comes out, Sean? Would you be double dipping, or do you feel like since the you know you know the story with the twists and turns, there's not something there? What, like what what would you want to see in the remake, Sean? Um, just uh some cleaning up of some older mechanics that don't really work too well in the modern era. I'm uh I am actually interested in it. I don't think it's going to be exactly the same. It's not because it's going to be a total remake, and it's not even made by Bioware. Mm. Oh, really? Yeah, I mean, yeah, what? It, oh, go yeah, ahead. Is, is Bioware like what are they doing now? Like they, their Anthem was their last big thing, and then I, they had. I think they're doing another Mass Effect right now. I, I think they're doing another Mass Effect, and I also think they're doing Dragon Age Four. Oh really? Wow. I always forget about Dragon Age. Like I've played a few of those games, and I always forget about it. I think it's just too generic fantasy for me. I don't know. But I've still played multiple of them. I don't know. So I don't know. I don't know. What does that say about the way I spend my time? Um, well, Sean, thank you so, so much for being here uh, and, and for uh, uh, talking through this game with us. Uh, do you have anything you'd like to plug? Anything you'd like to point people towards? Um, I don't have anything of my own like I'd like to plug. I say uh, people should check out the Patreon. and uh, <laughs> check Our out, guests uh, are like the... so nice. Oh, my God. <laughs> ridiculous. Just, just to be clear to the listeners here, we don't like tell our guests to plug our Patreon before we start. Recording. No, they're just so nice. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, yeah, well, perfect. Um, I will, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll wrap things up here then. Um, so thank you everybody for listening. If you'd like to hear yourself on an episode, sign up for the wonder red tier at patreon.com slash ultra 64. If you want to play KOTOR 2, the Sith Lords. There we go. Hey, absolutely. Choice. (laughs) We've already covered it, but okay, I'll do it again. Might make Um, you guys play Jade Empire. Oh, there you go. There you go. That's one I never got into. Um, That game looked. I don't know. I've always kind of been curious about that game. I, mean, I like, have it's it. It's a kung yeah. fu RPG. Like that's kind of sweet. That's kind of cool. Yeah, yeah. yeah it sounds fun. I mean, yeah. I just never gotten to it. Um, all right, everybody. Well, we will see you next time. We've got uh, regularly scheduled episodes uh, coming back this Saturday. I forget what we're playing. Probably something good. Uh, all right. Well, we will see you then. Good night, everybody. 